0: I did, by the way, because of uh, J.K. Rowling's silent partnership in this podcast, I I had to cut your hilarious rant on the last uh, the last time you came on about about the anti Semitic depiction of uh, goblins. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't want to lose that. that But I didn't have a mental image, and so I because I think I think like I had I'd heard about that, and I kind of like I of course in the books they like the goblins seem very like weirdly. Oh, it's movie one, right? Where they go to the bank well no well the harry potter movies came on hbo and so josie like has been binge watching them so i saw Uh, holy shit no that's
1: that's what i'm that's what i'm saying it is it it is inexplicable it really you said like
0: design an anti-semitic goblin costume for me it wouldn't look this anti-semitic no no it is
1: (laughs) every i mean it's like a skull cap and a big nose and a whiny voice and big flappy ears and like horns and there there's gold everywhere (laughs) it's so peculiar like how whoever let that happen is it's like well well we see in the book that the depiction is borderline anti-semitic let's leave i I really want to lean into (laughs) that can we i I just have one note for the costumer can we not can (laughs) can we really fulfill her vision of how Jewish these money goblins are.
0: Come on, guys, come on! Like, yeah, like we, it's we can like we
1: can do it. Like, just make him a little shorter. What? Why? He's already such <laughs> an anti-Semitic. He's like sucking Christian baby blood. He needs to be shorter. Just, just a little bit shorter. Can he just have his nose be a little, a little more hooked?
0: Hey, everybody, it's Matthew. This is just a little mini bonus episode. I had some leftover tape uh, from my conversation with Brian. We ended up talking for a little while about reading. It was a pretty good conversation, not a very long one, and it was it was interrupted, as you will hear, by my adorable daughters. So the, the tape here ends somewhat abruptly. But as I said before, I am hoping to get Brian back again before too long. In the meantime, uh, here is a very short conversation about reading. How's how's life? How's writing? How's, how's reading for you these days?
1: It is good. I am I'm taking um immense pleasure inching forward in this longer work of, of fiction. I'm getting a, a kick out of that. I'm reading through as much Somerset Mom as I can because of our last conversation. I've just started uh, the, the Painted Veil again, which I think is one of his, at the time, most popular works, but now far less discussed than A Razor's Edge and A Human Bondage. So I'll be interested in getting into that. And I'm reading uh, the Netanyahu's by Joshua Cohen, which is an account of Benjamin Netanyahu's father visiting America as an associate professor and uh, a fellow Jew who is narrating the story talking about his own Judaism and how disappointed he is in the scholarship of Bibi's dad's Hebrew work. And I don't know, it's one of these very like self-conscious, very vocabulary heavy novels that have moments of uh, wit and joy, but, I am distracted by how smart the, the writer, Joshua Cohen, is and wants us to know he is. So I'm, I'm halfway through through that book and, um, and I'm struggling with the erudition of, of a, the writer, which is some of the problem I had with Charlie Kaufman here. And I don't know, do you, I feel like I know enough words that it's weird when I yeah. need to look one up. Like, not not that I know all the words, but right, I, right, right, right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is so rare that I'm reading a novel that the 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 linguistic precision is worth my recognizing that the author chose this word. Do you agree with that or, or disagree with that? I just don't. I mean, it, it makes me crazy with Nabokov, who has has that. Like, we, yeah, we were yeah, taught yeah. what's the word for a story that's told so much that it it, it seems like it should be real. Like, a,
0: is there a word for that?
1: Yeah, it's like um, it's pro- apocryphal. So is that not? Oh, like,
0: oh okay, yeah, yeah, right,
1: yeah, yeah. right. So uh, an apocryphal story that we are told about Vladimir Nabokov—that oh, w- th- came up over and over again in graduate school, and I've heard it since—is that, and I've heard different versions of it. But it's you know somebody coming to him and saying, "Hey, I want to be a writer. Um, how, how am I good enough, or or should I should I go be a writer?" And he says. Uh, not do I, I'd love to see your manuscript and not what What are you reading? But but um, he points outside and to, to a tree and says, what's the name of that that type of tree? And the guy's like, I don't know, I don't wanna be a botanist, I, I wanna be a writer. And he's like, if you don't know the name of that tree, you're never gonna be a writer. And I, to me, that's right. like the opposite of everything I've ever thought about literature where like weird expertise tends to get in the way of, of literature in, in my mind and like naming the tree seems almost always the wrong decision because like why would your character know the name of that tree and right. like unless you're writing about a botanist and like if, if it's not the character if it's a narrator like really why would the narrator know the name of that type mm. of tree and I, I i find the same feeling with like any specificity or any like particular vocabulary where it's like unless the main character is some Specifically and necessarily erudite guy, why is he using these words? And and, and Joshua Cohen does get away with it in the Net- yeah, is yeah, Net- yeah. where the character is a professor, so okay. But like when you talk to professors or you are told a story by a professor, they don't use these intimidating, polysyllabic, uncommon words because that would make them pricks, you know? And like I don't I don't understand the value in Nabokov or in Joshua Cohen of of using words that i need to look up or of of playing games where they're showing off how much they know about minor elements that aren't important to the plot and i I find, you know, in, in the John Gardner and everybody else theory of writing fiction, where like it's never good to to wake your reader up from the dream of the text, and yeah. you can wake your reader wake your reader up either with something that doesn't make sense in the text, or a grammatical mistake, or you know anything that we see as postmodern now, where the postmodernists would yell at John Gardner and say, "You're awake, you're awake, the yeah, your reader's yeah, yeah. awake already." Like it's not a matter of waking readers up. They're awake, so take advantage of the fact that they know they're reading and give them more games and more obstacles and you know, show yourself as a writer while you're writing because you're not fooling anyone anyway. I don't believe that. I, I believe no. that you can really fall into the trance yeah. of especially a novel, but a movie or television show or song or mm-hmm. opera or whatever. And to awaken the reader from that trance really is doing the reader a disservice. I and, completely agree. And other than... You know, I I think uh, some very unusual works of postmodern fiction, like, for example, City of Glass by Paul Auster, which is all about a detective who writes detective fiction, becoming a detective and falling into the same tropes that he writes. Like, that to me is a wonderful intellectual game to play. And I think Paul Auster does a great job playing that game. But that does not provide the same pleasure of being lost in the dream of reading a typical literary novel or watching a typical movie or a television show or opera or ballet or whatever other work of art, even a non-narrative art, a work of visual art that you can get lost in. I don't understand why so many uh, contemporary writers continue to follow the mold of previous generations of writers who felt that erudition was a valuable addition to their narrative.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know why either, except that that does just seem to be a something that writers have done since maybe forever. I do, I and do. To th- me, that's a massive barrier of entry to poetry where I, Oh God. I mean, and, po- and like nowhere is the argument that you should allow your reader to remain in a dream. Nowhere is that less uh acceptable today than in poetry like like that's 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 people find that to be really odious in contemporary poetry conversation
1: and and i i i find the same problem with uh teaching and even reading for pleasure shakespeare which wasn't shakespeare's intent at the time or maybe it was i don't know but it's definitely the way that people experience it it today where i i don't pick up a new shakespeare play with which i am not previously familiar like i I haven't read many of the histories and I sort Mm. of want to have read many of the histories, but I never, ever do because I, it's, it's work for me that I'm constantly trying to teach myself the language of the text in a way that so much uh, poetry with which I'm not familiar, I I, I feel the same way where I, that barrier to entry is so strong to me, even as somebody who spends all his time reading and writing and thinking about, about books that I don't, I don't really understand it. I I don't understand why that's not a bigger deal. Why, I mean, the people who do read more poetry, whom I've raised this for in the past, say that like, you got to put in a little work. And then once you put in that work, there's an immense depth of intellectual and emotional pleasure uh, that is waiting for you, whether it's Shakespeare's histories or, you know, the, the. Mark Strand's latest right. book of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of poetry. I, I just don't, I don't know.
0: Well, like, like Scotch is better than Kool-Aid, right? But like only one of them do you have to like acquire a taste for. Um, yes,
1: that is yeah. an analogy. I just don't <laughs> think that is a valid. <laughs> like I, uh, Scotch is better than Kool-Aid, but like Kool-Aid's disgusting. Y- you know what I mean? Like I, I, Scotch and Kool-Aid are both disgusting, but if you drink Scotch <laughs> more and more, then You'll scotch is really great, you, you know, whereas, like, I, I don't know, like a lightly sweetened ginger beer, like, that just seems great. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, I, 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 and, yeah. and I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the, who are these people who are willing to work to get a deeper pleasure beyond mm-hmm. the ability to sit down and make time and read a novel, which does give pleasure and is a little bit of effort because like, you got to turn off your Netflix machines and make your kids go into a different room. Like that takes enough effort to me, putting effort on top of that effort just seems so much to ask of a, of a reader.
0: Right. I, so I, and I, 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 just like, there are a few distinctions I would draw. One is that like I, I share your feeling of frustration at uh you know language or constructions that that interrupt the dream of reading, that that break that trance. I, I do for me, I have a different experience reading when I encounter something that is that is a little bit opaque or a little bit difficult because it is old, uh, than I do when I have that experience with something that that is contemporary. Because I think, and, and it's really I'm more willing to to dig in and read footnotes and read intros and get my bearings so that I can try to you know, create something like the experience of what it might've been like to read this back when it was all current. When I read something today, like I think I also, when I think about difficulty with the text, I constantly toggle back and forth between the perspective of the reader and the perspective of the writer. Like as a reader, I always feel like I wanna, I want to prepare myself as best I can. I want to give the benefit of the doubt I want to read. But then when I think about books I'm reading as a writer, I think like I have so little tolerance for like you as a reader, I think it's worth saying like, yeah, I want to, I want to uh, prepare myself to be able to have the pleasure of reading this immersively. But as a writer, I think like, no, it is almost never acceptable for you to say, "I want to make things a little more difficult for my reader." I want to make my reader work for this. I think fuck that. Like, I think for the story you're trying to tell, or the the lyric you're trying to sing, or what you know, what for whatever it is you're trying to get at, I think you should make it as accessible, as inviting, as welcoming, as hospitable as possible. Right. As but but, but I, I
1: see the distinction you're making in terms of your generosity towards the artist, like yeah. You're willing to put in a little bit more effort if something was written 300 years ago in order to understand the context in which it was sure. written than you are for some jackass who a week ago you right. know is, i mean
0: assume, assuming that it probably was more immediate 300 years ago
1: but forgive again uh, th- this time i'm embracing the 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 postmodern perspective sure, of the sure, work existing yeah. just as the work and, right. and you know damn the rest as a reader why does that matter like i I, I teach and I write and I run this tutoring business and I have these two kids and a wife and a family yeah, yeah, and some yeah. friends and my time, I'm tired all the time because I have this chronic illness and like I, I owe so many people so many things. I am at a stage of my life where I am not willing to pretty much put any work into right. uh, the, the, the consumption of, of a piece of art. And that I'm not bragging about that. Right, I, right, I think right, that right. that yeah, is... Yeah. That is to my detriment, and I, I had, I think, a whole lot less to do in college and grad school, and I maybe received more intense pleasure then from reading than I do now. Although I think that that has something to do with you being new to literature and poetry and the arts sure. in general, and that you know, age of fifteen to twenty five being the time when you're more affected by reading and art in general than you are at other times, just because it's all so fresh and new and, and mind-expanding. But but part of it is that I I just. To have any demands on me other than mm-hmm. the work itself I don't have patience for now and I am curious by the artist who is making those demands I I it, it seems like selfish and odd to me but but to me there there isn't a difference between sitting down and reading again I'm, I'm using Shakespeare as an example because sure, sure, sure. Shakespeare yeah, is yeah. so obviously like the best writer yeah, like yeah. I that, that I'm saying that like it's this is so clearly about me and not about the intention of, of the artist. Because right now, I. I don't see why anybody is putting themselves in the category where they have to do where they're demanding more work of an audience member.
0: Right. Well, uh, well but I think yeah. But see, I think that's the key. Is like anybody who's demanding more work of an audience member is doing it now. Right. Like Shakespeare wasn't. Demanding the work of looking words up that you don't know anymore because people did know that, like right. But but, right. but my, my my point is is that is that I I
1: share your frustration with those people doing it now, but I am resigning myself um, unhappily to the fact that I am accidentally putting Shakespeare in that same category that I yeah, 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 yeah. I have stopped reading anything that requires me to sit with a glossary or a dictionary or have pre-read for it. And I, I used to, I used to say, I just don't want to humor the jackass who's giving me all this work. And now I realize maybe there's just this other category of, of art that I, I don't have time for anymore. I'm not interested in. And in that same category is Shakespeare and the contemporary writer, which to me gives more, credibility to the contemporary writer, because what that contemporary writer is doing is saying like, hey, people are willing now to put in a little bit more time to understand, you know, Milton. So like, all I'm asking you to do is put in a little bit more time, and you might receive the same depth yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of experience as as Milton provides.
0: Right. So I, I guess to me, there's been two questions, because I, I feel I feel a similar exhaustion, and I definitely have less stamina for for difficult reading than than I have had at other times in my life. So I think like there are let's say like if I'm going to do some reading and some of the reading I do is going to be low effort, you know, high caloric reward, then a lot of that is going to be relatively light fare that's like contemporary fiction or something like this. to the extent to which I have any stamina in me for difficult reading, almost all of that is going to be something uh, old and that has already been influential, mostly because I, I feel like the, my, I have a better bet of reading something good by working hard at it, by reading something that survived for, you know, at least a century or two or 20. Um, I, I, I don't spend very much time at all. Like I, I basically, if something is known to be very difficult now, I'm highly skeptical and I'm much less likely to sit down and say, all right, I really want to bother to do this unless I have some other prompting or unless like a certain number of people have told me, oh no, this is really, really good. You have to read it. An, an exception would be like, I, I also then read uh, obnoxious fragmented contemporary poetry because I do a fucking poetry podcast and have conversations with people and partly because it's fun to gripe about it.
1: Totally. Um, my, yeah. my, my, th- the question that I have for you is have you within the last decade done the work done the heavy lifting for a piece of, you know, century or many centuries old work of of literature or poetry and felt profoundly moved by it in the way that I remember feeling profoundly moved by literature when I was 22 and rarely do now. Should I, is it worth it? Is there, I mean, I, 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 uh besmirch the Aeneid in, in front of you. I, I yeah, think, yeah. because I, I, I never seriously read it. I, I read it too quickly in, in college and I, I have it on my shelf here and I, sure, I picked sure. it up and I read 30 random pages. I tried to find Dido and I read some Dido right, and I'm right, like, all right, this is, I don't know, something, but kind of boring. And like, I don't really get what's going on here. So I'm not going to go back to it. And I, and I realized that that was like the first time I've gone back to something that is difficult in a decade. Would you recommend that I try to force myself back into that undergrad and grad school mindset and, and find classics that I, that I haven't yet read? Like I I really enjoyed Anna Karenina when I read it, but that didn't feel like heavy lifting to me. That, that felt like fun novel reading. Um, and,
0: and so I don't know. I mean, so I, you also, you, you went to a good college and, and I know Columbia in particular has a, like a, does a uh, does a little bit more of a great books thing. They do a
1: full, everybody reads, you know, yeah. from, from Homer through right. contemporary classics in right. literature and um, philosophy, which has its flaws, uh, but I, I, I think was great. Right. It was really yeah. great.
0: So I, I was a drama major at a state school. <laughs> and like, I mean, no, I, like, honestly, I didn't really begin my like serious reading until after graduating from Hopkins. Like it was right. really like only in my, my mid late twenties that I like sat down and was like, oh, I should actually bother to read all this stuff. So I, I have found it very rewarding. I also don't, I wouldn't want to encourage you to read anything you don't want to read, but I, I, I have found it like reading, uh, I read Don Quixote a few years ago. Um, and it's, you know, you have to, I had to continually like reframe myself in, in the, you know, in the, in trying to read it. A little bit, at least a little bit, with the mind of somebody who might have been reading it at the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it, just, it was not as easy to devour as like zone one, but right, was, no, no, you're But, I, but you're it was right. but, like, I did find it like it, I, I just keep thinking about it, and, like there, it's it is really moving, especially when you get to the end of it and you see sort of this this big shape. So yeah, I mean, I, I loved, uh, like Horace has been like, I he went from being a poet I had read not at all when I was 26 to being like one of my favorite posts, despite my not really having much Latin and having, you know, to look at the on Foss translation. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so th- that's taken some, some lift, but I mean, again, another part of that too, is that, is that really good, really old works tend to be, it's sort of like seeing the original version of something you've seen a million copies of. They
1: tend to be entertainments, right? Especially working yeah. translation. Like like the Odyssey yeah. is just like a really fun adventure
0: story. Oh man. And, yeah. I mean, the, and, and, and Don Quixote I mean, like, is
1: like a fascinating, like wacky guy up, surrounded yeah. by enablers. And like some I mean, some, some of it is story. like is really and like Moby laugh Dick, out loud like, funny. Is, right. And Moby Dick is like, especially the beginning and the end, like a wonderful jockey jocular account of a guy who wants to make some money and goes on a whale boat and like boy did he find more than he was asking for you know yeah, like it yeah. it is so i i i wonder whether i am discussing works that especially in translation are alive and exciting um hello hey. can you he- can they hear me they can't hear oh, me, can so me? Sh- I
0: mean, okay hold on a second i'm gonna uh i'm gonna um here, what am I gonna do? here. all right thanks Thank <laughs> you.